The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. I have known and talked to Deborah Norville since her early stints as an anchor on network television before eventually hosting the long-form news magazine Inside Edition. As the host of that show since 1995, Deborah has given viewers the facts behind the headlines nightly, and now Norville has taken on one of those headlines and crafted it into a TV movie, acting now as executive producer on the Long Island serial killer, among Mother's Hunt for Justice, a film on Lifetime. I've got my friend Deborah Norville on the line right now from New York City. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm great. Nice talking to you again, Deborah. And how have you navigated through the pandemic anchoring and all the other stuff you're doing? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? We're just we're just all trying to get through, right? Um, you know, we've been we got kicked out of our studios originally on March the 11th, and then we went, you know, work from home, and then we were back in the studio, and then COVID got weird again. So, we've learned to be flexible. But one of the things I learned to do was to be an executive producer on a feature yeah. film, which I'm so excited is coming out this weekend. Uh, yeah, and how did that come to you? Because I mean, that is a hefty title, isn't it? It's so cool, and 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 I'm working with an amazing team. Um, the one of the other executive producers is a Peabody winner. We have a Emmy Award winning Kim Delaney as our lead actor playing Mary Gilbert, the woman right. around whom this film um, revolves. We have a Pulitzer-nominated guy who wrote the script. I mean, it's just, it's top drawer from, you know, start to finish. And and, and this really happened because I've been talking with the guys at Lifetime about, um, you know, my desire to do, you know, a different type of production. And, you know, they are so good at these ripped from the headlines movies. And this one is actually the 400th one they've had where they've taken wow. real events and then done a feature version of it. So we're inspired by the Long Island serial killings, which remain unsolved to this day. And they would have remained unknown if not for the woman that Kim Delaney plays in the film, a lady called Mary Gilbert, whose daughter disappeared. She was working as a call girl, as a, uh, what do you call it, Craigslist escort person. And she didn't come back from her date. And her mom didn't know anything about it until she got this weird phone call. And it was a man's voice who said, is this Shannon Gilbert's mother? And she goes, yeah, who's this? And he says, oh, I, I tried to help your daughter, but she ran away and I'm worried about her. And, and this was the first Mary Gilbert had any inkling that anything was amiss. So, of course, she calls her daughter's cell phone and gets the machine. And she goes to the cops and tries to report a missing person. And they don't want to hear it because the daughter worked as a sex worker. And she basically became such a nuisance that, like, okay, fine, we'll go, we'll go search the area where you say she used to be. And they didn't find her, but they found four other women's bodies. And that was the first inkling from anybody that there was a serial killer at work. And ultimately, as many as perhaps 19 bodies have been found that are linked to these, these killings. But no one knows because no one's ever been arrested for the case. So it's a great thing to do a film about. So as a news person, you are detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have the time to cover as many details to your satisfaction on a project like this? Oh, absolutely. Because you know what? That's both the magic and the devil are in the details. And, and it's funny because, you know, I was the, the greenest person on this project. I was 
you know, was hesitant to speak up about things that, you know, I thought needed to be addressed. And then, you know, so I didn't on one particular thing. And then later that became an issue. Like, you know what? It's it's like they tell us at the airport, if you see something, say something. And it's it's true in any endeavor, whether you're working with a team to make a, a really good movie or, you know, you're working with um, the people at your office to get a project completed. If something's not quite right, you got to speak up because all of us work in teams, right? And you depend on them just like, you know, I depend on everybody that are part of my team, which is kind of why I love what I do, because I would hate to do it all by myself. And Lifetime is also doing a follow-up documentary immediately yeah. after the film, which you, you must be pleased about. Yeah, it's great because, you know, we get on the, the feature film side, we get to, you know, take a little bit of artistic license. Um, we don't change any facts or anything like that. But, you know, we create a couple of situations that just move the story along because it's so complicated, you sometimes have to do that. But then you have the just the facts, ma'am approach that'll happen uh, immediately after at 10 o'clock on Lifetime, which is the the news clips of the press conferences and the investigation updates and the bodies being found in the helicopter video and the speculation on what the various theories might be on, on, on who done it. So, and it remains unsolved, but there's a new person in charge of the police department. There was one new bit of evidence that came out last year. So they're still working it. So for true crime buffs like me, you know, this is a gift that is continuing to give. It's uh, interesting, isn't it, Deborah? Because when Lifetime started doing these movies, they were kind of soapy in a way. And But now there is so much detail and thought going into not only the storyline, but also the people involved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And And Lifetime, I think, has has really earned the reputation of doing it right. So when when you see, oh, it's going to be a Lifetime movie on some news story that I had, you know, been following just as a viewer, you go, oh, you know, I'm interested to see how they do it because their approach always makes you think. Um, it's kind of smart TV for viewers. And for those who don't know, you're, you're too humble to say, but 25 years in a row now of hosting Inside Edition, what does that feel like? Because I'm, I'm sure that it goes by in just a flash. Oh, my God. You know how I can tell it's been that long? Because I had just had my second child right before I started. And actually, that's why I wanted to switch jobs. I was at CBS News, and they were offering me Weekend Anchor, which would have been great. But the rest of the week, I was going to be traveling, and I just didn't think I could do that with two small children at home. So that boy is now 26 years old. So I see this man person walking around. I go, whoa, that went quick. Um, but you know what? It's been great. It's, it's you know, what you and I do um, as broadcasters. We really are um, sitting in a front row seat to history. And, you know, on a day like 9-11, you know exactly where you were and you know exactly how you pivoted on your broadcast that day. And those moments stand out in a, in a very long career. And I'm just really blessed that I've had a lot of them and blessed that, you know, I haven't ticked anybody off so much that I don't get the opportunity <laughs> to do something new and different, like work with Lifetime on this wonderful film. Yeah, you know, and I'll never forget the uh, when you did the show right after giving birth, and I'm assuming that was not your idea. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no. And that would have been 23 years ago. My daughter came early, and um, she was born at 4.30 in the morning or something. And so by the time they got me in a room, about 9.30, 10, I called my producer and I said, I can't do the show today, but I have a really good excuse because <laughs> um, I never take sick days. And I didn't take a sick day that day either because they, 
she called me back and she said, how good are you feeling really? I said, well, considering I just had a seven and a half pound baby with no anesthesia because it was so quick, I probably feel better than I should. And she said, and she said it's super duper fast. She said, well, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, do you think you could pop down to the sidewalk and do the wrap to the show and we'll have you back up before they know you're gone? And I'm like, I'm looking at the phone like I did not hear what I just heard. I said, are you kidding me? I said, they won't let me walk to the bathroom yet. I'm pretty sure the sidewalk is out of range. And have you forgotten the outfits they give you in this place? It's not happening. <laughs> right. And she said, Deb, I'm desperate. I'm like, you're kidding me. And then I'm going... No way am I being compensated nearly what my value is if they're so desperate that they need a woman who is, had barely finished having a baby to do the show. Yeah. But I said, look, if hair and makeup can come first, I'll do it from the hospital room. And so I anchored with my daughter. I'm here to tell you that uh, as cheap as it sounds, boy, it was a ratings bonanza, wasn't it? Well, who knows? I actually have one lunatic that I worked with who, when I came back to work, looked me in the eye and said, I can't believe you didn't tell us in advance you were going to do that so we could have promoted it. I'm like, how do you respond to someone who does not understand that a baby arrived two weeks early and you can't plan that? So, <laughs> so I work with crazy people sometimes, but it's all good. The thing I've always liked about you, Deb, is that the things you do to help other people, including sharing your journey through thyroid cancer and how many, oh. how many people that, that must have helped? I know it did. Oh, I know it has. And how many news anchors? It's really crazy. People have now, after hearing my story, because uh, I had thyroid cancer coming up on two years, but, but I've been monitoring this thing for, for 19 years. We've been monitoring this thing because a viewer had spotted a lump on my neck. And so the minute it turned cancerous, because we were constantly biopsying it, I wasn't that worried um, because it couldn't have been cancerous for very long and, and I didn't have to have chemo or radiation. But because of me talking about it, other people have felt like, well, you know, somebody saved Deborah by seeking out. I'm going to call so-and-so or get a message to so-and-so. And there have been at least three women, news anchors, who've had similar situations because a viewer was kind enough to reach out. So. Um, we live in a world of see something, say something, and usually they mean terrorism. But if you see a lump, say something about that, too, because the person might not notice. I certainly didn't. Another story you did was when you went behind bars. I think it was for a week. How concerned not only were you, but your family? Well, my kids were little, and I told my husband not to let them know where mom was. Just, you know, mom's going to be on assignment, and she might not be able to get to a phone every night, so there may be some nights she doesn't call before we go to bed. And I had said, and I knew there was going to be publicity. I said, you know, just keep the TV off. So, of course, he does everything I tell him not to do. Um, and the TV is on. He sees me behind bars. My, my middle son sees me behind bars. Um, my older son goes, whoa, what did mom do? My middle one goes, starts crying, mommy's in jail. The baby doesn't know what's going on. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't need this. So, um, yeah, it was scary because these were actual criminals. I mean, they weren't there because their producers yeah. didn't like them. They were there because they were accused of, in, in one woman's case, some really awful crimes. Most of them were just petty thefts, but they were all messed up with drugs and stuff. So it was just like it was like a week at the crazy farm. I remember it well. Now, before I let you go, you know, after this last election cycle, are you pretty glad that you didn't cover it maybe as full-time as network anchors on NBC, ABC, CBS? Because, you know, I tell you, you, you look at, People like Lester Holt or Nora O'Donnell, they look like they were really over it by the time it ended. 
<laughs> well, I'm not going to comment on that. I think, <laughs> you know, we all are on, on fumes at the end of, of any long journey. But I think, um, you know, the good news is, as far as that goes, we we allow the network evening news to, to do the chapter line and verse coverage of things. We tend to do bigger themes. And, you know, that's what our audience comes to us for on Inside Edition. Um, but I think, you know, uh, it was a a stressful chapter, no matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on. And I think, again, no matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on, we're all hoping for for smoother times ahead um, and not to have to worry about someone storming the Capitol. That was that was a pretty upsetting. I don't know anybody um, on on any political venue who who, who was happy about that. So. Nice to see the calm is reigning again in Washington, in our United States Capitol. Well, we all enjoy watching the long-form stories on Inside Edition, and we're looking forward to the Long Island serial killer on Lifetime. Deborah, it's always great to catch up with you. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much for your time. It's fun to be back with you, too. It's interesting because Netflix's Lost Girls came out nearly a year ago. Same story, but some very different details. Actress Amy Ryan playing Gilbert. As for concerns about duplication or deviation from the film's interpretation of the crime, Deborah Norville says it's a topic ripe for many kinds of treatments, but I think that we told the story the way we felt it should be told through the eyes of the mother. Well, that finishes off this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. I hope you can join me next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.